0: Find the code book and save the satellite. It's the Interbank Incident on The Coco Show, episode 37. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about the Interbank incident. Mm, think peace. Now, Aaron, uh, you haven't told this story in a while, and I don't think you've ever told it on the Coco Show. All right. But you were involved in a little bit of industrial sabotage yourself. Why don't you regale our listeners about the time that you hacked your way into the AT&T back lot where you managed to salvage some of their valuable telecommunications equipment?
1: That was the idiot incident, is what you're referring to. This is an old... Listen, you make it sound more sinister and cagey than it was. This, I was getting ready to make something up, too, because I had no idea what you were talking about. You corralled me right into that one, Boat. So in in my younger days, you know, uh, uh, you, this boat just predates you, but uh, phone freaking was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like Flack would understand what I'm talking about here, if you've been around that long. On well, BBS, says you could get all this stuff to tell you how to phone freak which is basically hacking the phone system, getting free phone calls, Boat, because back in the day, you had to pay for every call. It was expensive, you know? And so the easiest uh, way to do this would be to get the secret documents you needed to backdoor your way in. Well, I don't know what that meant. I had no idea how to do any of this stuff. But I know me and my buddy Rich knew that one thing we did have to do was break in to the local telephone uh Office area, get in their back lot, and then get into their dumpster. Yeah. And so myself, my old buddy the Big Q, uh, Rich, and a couple other guys that we knew, uh f- if you can believe this, climbed the fence. That's right, <laughs> and got into the dumpster, and w- and just grabbed all the bags, took them out, uh, and we were in the dumpster. By the way, I don't know if you have you ever been in a dumpster. No, no, no. I don't recommend it. Uh and then we took all the stuff that was in there and took it to my buddy's uh apartment. Mm-hmm. And then just and, he, and my buddy was also I should mention this, he was jacked up on something. Oh, okay. I believe he was taking Rush that night. Ooh. And I don't mean the band. Mm-hmm. And uh uh it's this thing you huff out of a little bottle. Mm-hmm. And so he was jacked up beyond the moon. And so he just took this stuff into his living room, onto his carpet, and he just ripped it open. <laughs> and so all the in- all these different uh uh trash bags spewed their contents all over his floor. And then we just sort of looked at what was in there. I mean there was papers and stuff in there.
0: Yeah, papers. But
1: we had but they meant nothing. Like we're <laughs> utterly pointless. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. You know? And so I remember I remember thinking this was cool, then this was crazy, and then how thinking this is real dumb. <laughs> and it was. And it was real dumb. And it I uh, as a as a footnote to the story, we left with all this crap on this guy's rug. We didn't care because he'd passed out, and his girlfriend was drunk too. And she kept telling me that she was seeing a spiritual bee flying around, which, which I I was like, huh that's weird
0: that is that is an interbank incident right there that's that's a video game in the making
1: that was the interbank incident of hurricane that's as close as we're gonna come now is this the old is this
0: the old AT&T that used to be the cellular one that this went down at
1: no no this was in the valley Uh, this is like a this is a this isn't like a place where you go buy your cell phone this was a this was like a, a place that had a tower really yeah and so we actually, went, it was like a, I don't know what they call it formally, but it had satellite dishes. And where stuff. is this? Was, was
0: this off the, wait, it was where, in the Valley. We're WBAA Okay.
1: I, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you ever done anything similar to that boat? You look like a guy that did a little B and E.
0: Listen, um, when I was in college, we used to, there was this Frisbee golf course because this is when Frisbee golf was taken off. right? I'm
1: already let down by the story, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs>
0: And we noticed that, like, the the gym, the, the gymnasium that was next to the, uh, the Frisbee golf course had a flat roof. And we're like, man, there's got to be 500 Frisbee golf discs on that roof. OK, so we hatched the plan. The plan was in the dead of night to steal away. To the frisbee golf course, yeah. And climb a ladder. This is like a forty-foot ladder to the top of this to the top of this thing. So we borrowed a ladder from the French horn professor. We did not tell him the the, the where it was going to end up. We carried okay. the ladder by putting it on top of a jeep and holding our hands above the window, holding the ladder in position as we drove to the frisbee golf course.
1: <laughs>
0: we climbed to the top of the roof of the gym. Yeah. We found two Frisbee golf discs up there. Oh, what that a letdown. Yeah.
1: That's not bad, though. Jeep with a ladder in it, driving. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You pulled that one out of the fire. It bro, had the elements.
0: It had the elements of a classic adventure. Just you
1: ever been ar- Have you ever been arrested or done any hard time, boat?
0: Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. The night's still well, young, though.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Um. So, Aaron, let's talk about one of our most favorite people in the world before we get into the Intermac Incident. Let's talk about Frank from Retro Rewind and a little piece of hardware I like to call the Coco SDC. Hit it. Are you ready to take the plunge into the exciting world of the Tandy Color computer? Have you tried emulation and found it to be confusing and unreliable? The hell is Bitbanger? It's time to get yourself a real Coco and get yourself over to retrorewind.ca to get it out with everything you need to enter the Coco universe. The Coco SDC is the fastest, easiest way to jump into the nirvana that is gaming on the Tandy Color computer. A preloaded SD card is already included, so just pop it in your Coco, and away you go. Pick up your Coco SDC at Retro Rewind and be sure to use the promo code AMIGOS10 to save 10% off the already low price. Thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring The Coco Show.
1: All Hello right, Aaron, Frank.
0: let's get into it. The Interbank incident.
1: Doesn't really have any music, does it, Boat? No, no. <laughs> there you go, Well, we tried. <clears throat> Listen, the Interbank incident, Now, you, for people that are, uh, are paying attention, you may recall that several years ago, uh, myself and the Brent stumbled upon this little beauty here on ARG, and I went back and took a look at uh, that uh, bit, and I would, I will go back, and I will say that that was what I would call a little, a little puffy little piece we did that didn't really flesh this thing out. So when this came back up, I'm like, okay, good, I got another shot at this thing, and I'm anxious to hear what Bo thinks about it too, because we actually have a story about getting to play this. If you were also paying attention, well, you'll, you'll understand what that means. Uh, but uh, this week, as Bo mentioned, it's the Interbank Incident, a provocative title, if yes. I may say, uh, published by Tandy. And uh, developed by the Spectral Associates, one of my all-time favorite company names.
0: That's an awesome name.
1: The Spectral Associates did uh, a ton of uh, Cocoa games and games on other machines. Uh, some of the ones that I saw that came, that I thought were super, super hits, Whirly Bird Run, which is a great, great game. Springster that we covered. The Pegasus versus the Phantom Riders, which we covered, we both liked. Mm-hmm. Lancer, did you know yeah. that actually, uh, that's kind of wacky, and a game that was very popular back in the day, Madness and the Minotaur, which Mm. is a text game, as I recall. Uh, This requires uh, any Coco, Coco 1, 2, or 3, 64K of memory, uh, a floppy drive, or a hard drive. Yes, this has hard drive support. Uh, This will support the joystick or a mouse. It's got mouse support. And, as we famously found out both, this has speech pack support. Uh... This was released in 85, uh, written by John Gabbard. I looked into John Gabbard a little bit, Boat, uh, to see what he'd been up to. And uh, he has done a few things, including Demolition Derby, which I like. uh, A game on the C64 called Roll Call USA. Sounds cool. Keys of the Wizard on the Coco. He also was uh, responsible for the holiday demonstration program. He also wrote a boat, a, a boat. Ooh. He wrote a book. He wrote you boat. <laughs> he wrote a book for the Coco called Coco: Three Secrets Revealed that came out in '86. So he's done a few things. Uh, his partner in crime here, David Fig or Fidge, uh, who worked on a game called Maze Escape, but often worked on uh, with Gavin on some of these other games. The graphics for this were done by uh, E.T. Gatlin. This guy's a man of mystery. I couldn't find anything on him, and the graphics... Which is
0: odd, because you think this guy would be the hot ticket in Coco Land, considering these graphics are some of the best the system has.
1: I agree. I agree with you, Boat. Now, before we get too deep into this boat, uh, I'm going to reveal the big news that, bam, I own this game. Here Mm. it is. If you're watching at home,
0: uh, the box
1: box copy. And if I were to open the box up here, you've got your uh, manual... And the floppy disks that it come with, There's sort of package looks like on the inside. you are watching home. So, but yeah, this is one that I owned, uh, and so it, which makes it easier because I could get out the the book and and whatnot. Both. Um, this game is a real ahead of the curve game, and I didn't mention this when I looked at this before because I was didn't know enough about it. But this game actually, uh, aside from the fact that it supports the Cocoa mouse, aside from the fact that it supports the speech pack. Uh, and and those sorts of things, it also uh, supports fully the OS9 operating system, and this is what I mean. Think about this boat—a cocoa game that is readily available to, to uh, install on your hard drive. Yeah, uh, which is great. Uh, to this game, uh, can't hurt. This also supports multiple drives. When you it think about when, when you, you think it. about
0: just the technical specs of this thing, it's OS9, it's hard drive installable, and it was released in 1985. Yeah, I mean this is this was a game truly ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, so you got to give the Spectral Associates some credit on this. Uh, I should mention that the uh, I looked into the Spectral Associates a little bit. Uh, we've talked about them a few times. They were founded in eighty, and they went away in the, sometime in the late eighties. Uh, they were out of Tacoma, Washington, uh, and then eventually they moved to Auburn, Washington. Uh, boat. And, uh, again, they did a lot of gains on the, uh, on the color computers we mentioned earlier. So this was, I would say, if you had a high watermark, uh, this would be right near the top. Now, having played this before, a Boat, I, I, know, I knew what to expect coming into this one. But the first time we got this thing working, I think the very first time you saw it was probably when we uh, hooked up the multi-pack. Uh, Had you played this before we fired it up in the arcade on our show? I
0: heard you and Brent talk about it on ARG, and it piqued my interest. Yeah. But it wasn't until we fired it up with a speech pack that I saw it come to life.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Well, it was a lot of fun in between the parts (laughs) where I wanted to hang myself from the non-existent cable we didn't have. If you are interested in going back and watching us play this, me and Bo did play this game live on stream, and it's available on the Amigos Stream Team section, if you, I believe that's where we put it, boat, and it's uh, uh, me and boat firing up this game with the multi pack. It's no, it shouldn't be any trouble to find. It's a Friday night disaster stream. Uh, so boat, since I've actually uh, you know, talked to us a little bit, give me your thoughts. As you see this hone into view, I mean, did you? I'm assuming, did you get, did you, before you started the game, did you actually look into the docs or anything? I no. know we had a cup of coffee with it, but have you, did you look into the background of well, what this game was about?
0: What I did was, uh, well, I did, I did this game does come with a very extensive backstory. Yeah. It none does. of which I can re- immediately recall offhand. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it has to do with a stolen papers, uh, well, you're trying, Go if ahead. you
1: want me to fill you in real quick, yes, I, did please write do. I write it down. And I do have the manual here, so it makes it easier. So, just from the game box, just a quick summarization. Uh, the situation is grave. Mm. The code book controlling a top-secret experimental satellite has been stolen. In the wrong hands, the satellite could do almost anything. Can you collect the clues and tips in order to find the crooks and regain control of the satellite? Uh, it started at the Interbank Corporation headquarters in New York. It seemed like a simple burglary at first. A couple of drawers first open, some petty cash stolen. Fortunately, a security guard noticed that the burglar had shut off the main vault security system for 45 seconds. That's when they discovered the code book to control top secret experimental satellite, codenamed Nebulous Project, had been stolen. And that's pretty much the background that they give you outwardly. I will say. Uh, I, I, I flipped, I read the whole story uh, in the book. I've read it a couple times. And this rule book, uh, or game book, has a full-blown, you know, seven or eight pages where they talk about, uh, it gave you basically your your briefing as to when you get assigned this. You're basically an agent for an outfit that is coming in to investigate this crime. And they give you like a full background, everything you would need to know about the about Interbank as a corporation, uh, at the incident that happened, what's stolen, what it can do. Uh, it's actually pretty, pretty interesting. They put a lot of time into this backstory boat, and then that leads you up to picking one of your agents. I'll let you go from there.
0: Yeah. So you can pick that you have a choice of seven characters you can be. Yeah. And again, for a game from 1985, there is a person of color, there is a woman. So there is, there's some diversity on the panel here yeah uh, you their, also their, have their
1: jobs or uh, their their, their job
0: they each have like special abilities right you also and, and, you've also yeah, go got you've also got things they're good at sort of yeah. character flaws all of these things are revealed to you when you click on the character you get kind of a bio sheet uh now how much does this actually play into the game for me none for people that i read about this game that know a lot about it none but It's cool because there's nothing wrong with giving you a little bit when you're when you're setting out to be a protagonist. Sometimes it puts you in the kind of the 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 uh the environment of the game when you when you can picture certain things about your player. You know, this game takes place we should talk about the fact that this game takes place from a first person perspective. So you yeah. you see the world through the eyes of your character, which means that once you select your character, you never ever see them again. It's much like if you play Skyrim or something you spend 8 billion hours perfecting your face in the character creator and then you never look upon your face again once the game starts um but i like it you know i like it when games give you a little bit of uh you know they go a little bit further than they need to just to kind of put you in the mood of the game
1: the uh i will say uh i read there this is one of the few coca games that is uh, has a uh extensive game fact over game facts including maps of the three of the uh, cities you can visit. I mean, extensive uh, game fact on it. And believe it or not, they, the, uh, they haven't fully figured out what all the character special abilities and what areas they help, but some will actually help you. Uh, and, and so the character you pick does make a difference in some areas. Okay. I'll explain why okay. uh, the characters, by the way, just for, just cause it's interesting to see what kind of diverse outfit you've got. You've got a guy named Bob, who is a gym. He works at a, a fitness instructor. Uh, You've got a guy named John, who's a 007 super spy type character. Jackie, she's a clumsy blonde who also happens to be a master of disguise. Mm. That's an odd combo. (laughs) Uh, Alex Johnson is a computer like hack, hacker type. Then you've got Mick Tarman, uh, who's the black gentleman. He's a Vietnam vet, which I like. Alan Kramer is an oddball. He's a psychic Mm. of some renown. And then Carl Weitz is a high tech specialist. And then so you're asking, okay, what can you do with these things? For the most part, they are all the same. But there are some occasions where like you can get something done. For example, I believe it's uh Bob, the 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 uh the fitness guy. You, he can kick down a locked door. Okay. Uh uh John, the 07 type. He's so smooth and charming that he didn't have to pay for tickets on like ferries. Oh, stuff like okay. That. So yeah, so there, there
0: are there are aspects of these guys' characters that will help you. I can see right,
1: that now. right. So yeah, and now I'll listen. This is all from just reading the game fact. I'd have got nowhere near and knowing what the you know what these things do, but there is something to them. Uh, now, I want to get your opinion on this interface boat. This game, I don't think there's any Coco games like this. And again, th- this game came out. Uh, pretty early on. Now, you know, Bo, you're more into these games than me, so you'll have to put this, the, the interface in this game into the time stamp of, the, of what was going on in 85. But this is a mouse-driven, if you've got a mouse, uh, like, adventure game where you, it's all icon-based, you you know, you there's no typing. Uh, a lot of Coco games would have this exact same setup, except at the bottom of the screen, they would have an area where you would type your old Zork commands, you know. This game for, went that, and they've got a, uh, you know, look, talk, use, that sort of thing, and then you've got an inventory under it, and it's all mouse-driven with pull-down window, windows. What was going on about this time? Is this something you'd say was fairly common by 85, or is this
0: ahead of the curve but this is so far ahead of the curve it's in a different lane um (laughs) this is uh i've never seen a game this early have an icon based point and click interface right at all i mean like when you think about you know king's quest stuff like that first of all those games i believe the first king's quest came out around this same time and uh, of course, it was just your your you had character movement, but you were still controlling everything with text commands. Yeah. Of course, this was the era of the text-based adventure game where all you had was text. Or uh, quite popular on the Coco, you had that, like you said, the the graphic and the text parser below. Right. But the fact that not only you know it's almost like they skipped a a full generation because i always think about like the first generation scum games as being the 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 beginnings of the point and click adventure genre and those were just text interface or text icons but then you have the second generation starting with like king's quest 4 or something like that where they replaced all the words with icons this is way 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 before all that stuff and you know it works well it works well so you know these guys uh it's it's a shame in a way in a, in a way it's cool that this i believe this was a Coco exclusive release correct correct yeah this uh, has it's, never
1: been on anything it's else. a
0: shame that this didn't get out there in other formats because these guys would have probably uh done a lot better financially if it had uh it's but it's cool for the Coco that they can you know Coco owners can say look we've got this game it was doing stuff that no other game was doing
1: yeah, and uh, just to uh, in case you're uh, listening and not looking at the screen, you're you've got eight icons: get, look, examine, talk, use, help, and then you've got a disk input, output, and move. Uh, beneath that, it has a list of your uh, who you are and the and how much money you've got. You've got a bank card, and you've got it has an account. Then you've got whatever you've got on you. Then below that is your inventory. You can have up to eight items in an inventory, and you can also use. Uh, some of these items will take multiple icons. For example, you can use the, uh, uh, you can use the basically like the uh, one of the icons that's like the pointer, you can use that in combi- combination with your foot to do it to do a kick. Right. Which I had to look that up. Yeah, you like got that. A, This is a
0: game unlike a lot of the scum engine games. Uh, the interface, you have to know the tricks of it. Um, like you have to be able to combine, like if you combine exam, with your eye and an object, it will look at the object. Yeah, and that kind of thing isn't the most intuitive, but it worked. I guess as a great uh, anti-piracy measure <laughs> because if yeah. you you wouldn't get far in this game without knowing those tricks.
1: The uh, I also want to bring up the uh, the uh, examine icon, which is a a, a literal magnifying glass uh, uh, that lets you zoom in five times uh you know did you use that much or is just as a novelty oh book? well i
0: think there's places in the game where you have to use it
1: right i'm not sure i got to one but it, it, i remember at the time when i played this when i was a kid i was like man this is
0: awesome that's You're mind-blowing really zooming in it's mind-blowing yeah. i've never seen another game from this era do that i mean and i'm yeah. sure from a technical perspective it's not hard to do but man it's cool it's super cool
1: now let's talk about We've talked about the setup of the game, and we've talked about the plot of the game. I want to talk about the game's use of some of the peripherals. Of course, uh, when you boot this game, it asks you, do you have one or two floppy drives? You can tell it one or two, and if you've got two, you can put both discs in. That was a, not something you saw that much back then. It also asks you if you have a speech pack. If you had one, which we did uh, infinitely in our uh, stream... This game will read stuff to you. I mean, well, will basically uh the the cocoa will send uh text to the sound uh, device and it will read the game to you. Now, is this something you'd want to do for the whole game? Probably not. Might want to might not like it. <laughs> there is a way to turn it on and off in the game. Mm-hmm, uh, I found that Which is nice. Both. Yeah. Uh but uh it was still uh, unique. How many yeah. games were you playing that could tell you what was happening? Also, occasionally in the game, you'll come into areas where the sound, the speech pack will make uh, have audio effects effects, like the ocean, yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, or train sounds, stuff like boats, uh, which was neat. Uh, Is this worth having the multi pack hooked up and the sound? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if you got them, it's kind of cool.
0: You know, again, when you're playing this type of game, you are eager for atmosphere. Yeah. And so, when you walk onto that wharf and you hear the sounds of the gulls crying. You know, and, and you go to the train, you hear the train. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that pulls you in. I like it.
1: Yeah. Now, as you get into this game, the actual mystery of this game, it's a literal mystery. You're going around, you're talking to people, uh, and with dialogue chains and stuff. I mean, it's actually pretty interesting. You're literally sleuthing. I mean, this isn't like a game that they tacked a, kind of a neat interface on the dud. I mean, there's a there's a lot of investigation in this game, and when I looked at the amount of areas you could go to in it, I was stunned. There's multiple cities, including uh, uh, Paris is in there. I think Rio de Janeiro was in there as well, and there's also uh, a lot of stuff to do. And it's not like there's like you're going there and it's just, there's like one or two rooms. I looked at the maps for all these places, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, this is a pretty large game. Of course, it took two discs, so I guess you know they had the room to do it. But I mean, this is an expansive adventure with a lot of uh, the kind of thinking I'm not good at. Bode. Uh did you did you get very far in this?
0: Uh, I got well. It's hard to no, no, because I read a walkthrough <laughs> and I know how long the game is. Yeah. Um, I did not get very far because of the main point of contention I have with this game. Yeah, and that is. In a graphic adventure, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna compare this again with a game like Maniac Mansion, you are directly controlling your guy, and so you know, like when he walks left, he moves to the left. When he walks right, and it's mostly a lateral based exploration. Now, you know, with King's Quest and stuff, there are places where you do move in all four directions. This is a game that moves. It almost feels like you're moving between dimensions. Because Uh you've got a compass rose, but the compass rose doesn't always mean the same thing all the time. Like you can enter a room and you can't always back out in the direction that you feel like you should be able to based on the graphical indicators on the screen.
1: You know, they've actually explained this in the manual because me and you both had this problem and I didn't, I didn't realize what they were going for until I read this. All right. And so the manual states that the compass works like you're basically when you walk into a store or a walk into an area, it automatically places you looking forward. And so to go back the way you came, you wouldn't hit the way you wouldn't like if you went right to go into a place, you would think you would go left, but you right. wouldn't go left. That's not on because of the way this game works. You're looking forward. It it's rearrange it reorients the compass to the way you're looking. Now they I guess they thought this was going to be a problem because a feature I didn't know was on there, I didn't exactly know how it worked, is in the middle of the compass is a B. It doesn't mean backwards, it means before. And mm. hitting that button will take you back to the exact place you were oh. when you came into the room. Yeah, see. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know it know either. That. Hey, listen, instructions, brother. I had to look through. Uh so that's something that is, but still, with all that said, I'm sure if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't orient the compass and that weird. It is confusing.
0: Well, here's the thing. I I downloaded a map for this game, yeah. and I had it open on my second screen as I was playing, and I still could not navigate the places that I should have been able to get to. And sometimes yeah. I would find a place and go there once and never figure out how to get back to it. Yeah. This killed my desire to play this game. Because if you can't negotiate the environments, you can't do anything. Um, it's it, it's such a shame because this game does so many other things, right? And this is really a game I can see myself getting pretty far into. You know, I'm a sucker for good old point and click adventure game, especially yeah. one that looks as good as this one. You know, the graphics on this game, we should take a moment and talk about the graphics. This, yeah. this has got your typical tandy interlaced graphics you know uh they look there's there's multiple colors um and but the thing that's great about this is there's in almost every scene there's a little bit of animation Uh, for example we're looking at, at at a screen now that's got an animated flag on a flagpole it's got clouds flowing by uh the graphics and the animation in this game are really stunning they really are and um yeah i wanted to see more and I knew how to do it. Theoretically, I had the walkthrough open in front of me. I was I could move through it. I just couldn't figure out how to maneuver to the places that I needed to get to. It was so frustrating. Maybe
1: with Arn, with this new knowledge like I am, because I read this. And once I did that, I, I, it was easier for me. Mm-hmm. OK, so uh, what I and you could get these manuals online. I would have a look at that section just to orient yourself, because once I did that, I was like, OK, I think this was not the best choice. But at least I have an idea of what I'm doing, you know, as opposed to before. And the B button, which I never used, I use that all the time now. Yeah.
0: Uh, there, yeah. We, we should also mention that this game is unique in that it, it procedurally generates objects. It randomly places some of the items that you find in this game. So you, you will never play the exact same adventure twice. Yeah. Uh, should you happen to beat this, you can go back and they will place some of the items in different places. And I think that that's cool too. It adds an element of randomness to a game and it adds replay value to a genre that normally has none.
1: Yeah. And plus each character is going to have their different ways to use their abilities, right. able to skip stuff or whatnot. Something else this game provided, which you didn't see every day back then was the ability to have, to save the game wherever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And you had 10 save slides, which yeah. is not bad. Uh, for a game like this, I mean, it's amazing how far ahead this game was in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I've I will say this, just a couple uh, tidbits on this. If you wanted to try this, which I I recommend, and if you have a Coco, you definitely want to get the mouse. Okay. Now that much said, I having seen the mouse now and and seen people use the mouse, the mouse is not very good. The Coco mouse was low. It makes the Tank mouse look like a million bucks. So this is one game where uh, I would, number one, see if you could get another solution for the mouse. I mean, you can use the Black Beauties and stuff because they're analog, but I mean, I would rather use a mouse. This is probably one, if you can emulate it, or you have a way of hooking a good mouse up to your Cocoa, it'd probably be the way to go, as opposed to trying to use that old mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, uh, when you play this since it's got so many save slots you're a, you really don't have to have a mod or an equivalent you can play this on the coco if you can get a good interface because the save does work i mean i would save my games on it i've played this thing a lot on the on my actual coco and uh the one thing that you're going to find infuriating aside from moving around is uh it is a slow game i mean it, it you know it there, the you scene, are, scene yeah, it's not
0: fast the one from scene to scene and again it's compact that that just makes the frustration level go through the roof when you're like you don't know how to get to where you need to go and you keep going between the same three scenes over and over and over again
1: yeah yeah that that, this game is in some ways it's a victim of its era you know it it it, it may be it it really aimed high but you can only do so much there are limitations to even if you shoot that high in the air but uh, i i found this thing quite remarkable now um, I looked for some reviews before we get to the Discord reviews. I looked for reviews on this boat. I went back to my old favorites, the IcePeople.net site. Uh, they give Interbank Incident a B minus, uh, and uh, and he's very similar to what we say here. He says uh, uh, the the game looks fantastic on the surface, but in the end, it's maddeningly slow gameplay. It takes forever, and I do mean forever to move between screens and execute many actions. Uh, he basically, literally says, almost word for word, what we say, which would, this is a game that you basically, it was as quick as you can move it on a cocoa. and so you have to live with that in 2022, the speed of this thing. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a decent trade-off. Uh, this is one of those games, Boat. I, I Listen, I do this a lot. I would love to see this thing get brought up to something, uh, to like a uh you know like brought up to another machine ported. This would be a great game to port to a to a uh, to anything because of the graphics I mean are great on the Coco, but you could probably pull them off on pretty much any machine. And I would love to see this get a wider audience, like you said. I think it deserves it. Uh, that's for sure. Did we get any d- Discord action on this boat?
0: We did. We did. Uh, oh, mis- great, Mr. Dave six three zero nine writes. After I upgraded my Coco 3 with 512K and OS 9, we jumped into a whole new world of new games, including this one. My wife and I had a lot of fun with these games, looking for clues and solving puzzles. It's a two thumbs up from Dave and Sharon. That's fantastic. That comes from Mr. Dave, maker of Fine Coco Games himself. Very good. Very good. Exile um, in Paradise writes, the Interbank incident. Ambitious. Complex. Innovative. I did not know much about this game before it was chosen for the Coco Show. Digging into it, I am extremely impressed with the design. The initial play reminded me a lot of Interplay's Neuromancer for the C64 in Execution, but done years before that game appeared, and now I wonder if Neuromancer was inspired by Interbank. Interbank's plot definitely sounds very James Bond-like, but Bond is only one of the characters you can choose to try and tackle this beast. Each character has different strengths and weaknesses, according to the manual, and the game randomizes the possible solutions for replayability, which is something you don't see in most adventure role-playing games. Overall, the structure and design reminded me a lot of the modernized story and the same design as a classic mystery-solving board game called 221B Baker Street. You visit lots of locations and gather various clues and some red herrings until you figure out the who, the means, and the motive. Then you go to a specific location to win. Hats off to the designers of Interbank for a design with lots of choice, lots of replayability, and that has stood the test of time. All the possible solutions using all of the possible characters not have not yet been discovered and shared. So even after all this time, there remain some mysteries within the Interbank incident left to uncover.
1: Yes. Outstanding. And I will say, if you wanted to add this to your collection, uh, this is actually, again... One of the games I've seen uh, available more than I would have ever seen most any other games with the Cocoa. I saw this on eBay, ranging all the way from 16 bucks complete in box, all the way up to a copy that was going for 70 bucks that was brand new and sealed. Oh. So you could actually get a sealed copy of this. Now, I, again, having owned this uh, myself, I mean, it's not like you're getting all kinds of awesome extra stuff in here, but you do get the discs, uh, you, it's a you get three discs, you get the book, and you get the nice and the book is helpful. But otherwise, it's in your standard uh, Tandy box, mm-hmm. that just like they always distributed their stuff. A good fun game boat. I really enjoyed this one, and going back to it a second time, uh, I enjoyed it even more because I had knew my way around. And really looking into the book, and I will say if you do decide to play this, get the manual and read the innards because the little dossiers that they give you are give you a lot of good clues to uh, get you started.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, it is time to leave the Interbank Incident uh, and uh, talk about the fine, fine folks that make this show possible. That is the Coco Game Selection Committee. These guys choose the games that we play, and they're all pillars of the Coco community. So a big Tandy thank you to Canadian Retro Things, L. Curtis Boyle, Robert Murphy, and Steve Rasmussen. We Thanks, also boys. want to thank our Coco Show Patreons, uh, including O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Graham Vebke, Buttons, and William Becker. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank y'all. Aaron, what do we have coming up next week? Let's
1: see, both. For next month.
0: It's Ooh. almost next week.
1: It's Grand Prix Challenge. Grand
0: bro. Prix Challenge. All right. Yes, sir. I, you know, I've been, I've had a hankering to play some racing action on the Coco. So I, I can't wait to sink my teeth into this one.
1: I think this was a DICOM joint, too. Okay. We, did my, yeah. So that'll be fun.
0: All right. Well, guys, thank you as always for listening. We will see you next time. And until then, all hail. L. Curtis Boyle. Ooh. And his Spectral Associates. Ooh. <laughs>